and the New York Empire are champions of the AUDL again. For Charlie Hoppus and Anthony Nunez to get to the mountaintop, no one can ever take it away from you. You know, we had a lot to prove. We, we lost last year, and that, that left a bitter taste in our mouth for sure. Obviously, there are a lot of really talented teams in the division. We've believed that we are as good as we think we are. It's easy to maintain culture when you're winning. That's the reality. I'm really confident in the group that we have. I feel like we've just kept getting better and better and better. Grinding, hustling, practice. They won until they take us off the field. We are sticking to the script of those 39 players and two coaches in the huddle are what matters and wherever people think we stand. So let's play the games and, and figure that out. Floater, McDonald blocks it away from Oscar. Enormous layout. it to the end zone. It is caught. Kyle Henke came back. He went up and then he just kept on going up. And it comes down to the Twenty twenty three season is here. We've got a preview episode of opening weekend. It is swing pass. I'm Adam. That is Daniel. We're gonna launch right into some matchup previews as games get going tomorrow night. Today is Thursday, April twenty seventh. Tomorrow, Friday, April twenty eighth is the start of the twenty twenty three AUDL season. I can't be more excited, Daniel. I know you feel the same way. So. Again, let's just launch right into it. We're going to start with the premier game of the week for this season. The DC Breeze at Carolina Flyers. A battle between two of the league's super teams. Two championship contenders right out of the gate. Daniel, what's it going to take for this DC team that has added so much talent to an already amazing roster this offseason? What's it going to take for them to win this game on the road against a very, very good Carolina squad. Yeah, so it feels like DC is probably going to be regarded as the favorites coming into this game. I think people hear about all their offseason additions and they kind of like put that together as like DC having a very high ceiling for this season and, and very probably having the best shot of any team at competing with New York and potentially taking the East Division for themselves, but Carolina, like, I, I just think they're so practiced and so consistent with, with the chemistry that has been building in that team for years. So the key for DC is just like how quickly all of their offseason pieces can integrate into the offense in particular. So I'm, I'm thinking of guys like Thomas Edmonds, Andrew Roy, you know, if Cole Jurek or Joe Merrill play on offense too. Those guys, like, it kind of has to feel right out of the gate, like, everything is is normal and, like, going according to plan for D.C. Like we've seen from their offense the past few years, they operate with, like, a very seamless amount of chemistry. They have a lot of fluidity between positions, handlers, and cutters. So if these new guys can come in and D.C. just, like, looks like how they've looked the past two years, I think they're going to be fine. The worry is, like, can they hit that immediate chemistry this early in the season that obviously remains to be seen and I think that's going to be what it comes down to for DC particularly on the offensive side yeah I think DC have a ton of momentum rolling off of the offseason you can see it in their practices posted on social media there's just a lot of fire they seem to have a lot of togetherness that's existed there already with that core and now they just kind of add in even more star talent it just feels like we're 
only beginning to see the true ceiling for this Breeze squad. And yet, I absolutely agree with you. I think that they have to hit the ground running because this Flyers Mm -hmm. team right now is a perennial championship contender, no matter kind of what construction their given week's lineup is. I think that one of the prevailing strengths of this Flyers franchise the past two seasons in particular has been their adaptability. And, you know, you look at some of the absences that they have of inactivity this week, they're going to be missing Matt Gucci-Johannes, the backfield partner with Saul Yannick, comprising maybe the best backfield tandem in the league. Eric Mm -hmm. Taylor is going to be missing an indefinite amount of time as he works back from an injury. Uh, Liam Searles Bose signed on this season, a huge, huge playmaker who can play on either side of the disc. He will not make his 2023 Flyers debut this weekend. And yet, you've just got so much talent still on this Carolina roster, right? I mean, they posted a graphic to the league uh, social media account yesterday detailing the potential starting seven offense for the Flyers. And you're talking about mm-hmm. Saul Yannick, Terrence Mitchell, Jacob Fairfax, Anders Jungs, Alex Davis, uh, the additions of Ben Snell, who has played for this team in the past, but now comes back in his prime, kind of an, uh, a top-tier player that I think people might not remember for how good he can be in this league, right? He didn't play at all in 2022. He only played, I think, three games, two games for Seattle in 2021. But in those games, yeah. he had nearly... 500 yards of total offense and like several looked really good looked really good will step into the flyers system and know what to do immediately and then to my point of i think what might be the true x factor accelerator in propelling this flyers team to a win on opening weekend is the addition of joe white uh you got a bunch of great responses in your player chatter article on the audl.com this week uh, uh talking about mr white he is probably one of the more mercurial stars in the sport. When he's on, when he's white hot, there are maybe five players capable of kind of reaching his absolute zenith of abilities and skill. I mean, he's what six foot three. He can make any play as a receiver. He can. He has all the athleticism in the world. There were a couple times last uh, championship weekend when he got on a sprint in the open field, and that dude can just fly. Right. And that's just kind of his skill set as an athlete. He might Mm -hmm. be an even better thrower when he gets into rhythm. When that guy can wind up and deliver with that kind of frame and size and his ability to just sort of dictate matchups and put them back on their heels with that aforementioned athleticism. I mean, he's a total package. And yet, as we've we kind of always talk about with him there there is this aspect of the downside and the turnovers and you did see that at championship weekend last fall as well where mm-hmm. he committed a couple of very key turnovers in the first half of that championship game this flyers team has been successful these past two seasons because of their adaptability like i mentioned before but also because they've been one of the best teams at not turning the disc over they have some of the best right. turnover margins in the AUDL Joe White is going to complicate that, I think, a little bit. But I also believe that he's going to kind of reform to the system. I think that he's been, you know, on that Chicago team, they, they were a team of shooters and chuckers, as Pavlianis like to say. And nobody adapts to that mindset quicker, better than Joe White, I think. <laughs> right. um, I think that changes here in the Flyers system. And I think that changes, especially in a matchup like this against a D.C. team 
who is not yeah. going to yield you a bunch of turnovers. And so I think that we're going to see the good Joe White this weekend. And I think that that might really put a disruptive notion into how what what we're thinking early season with this Breeze team, right? Like, there's so much hype. We do think of them as kind of being eye-to-eye with New York in terms of their talent. And yet, here's the Flyers, who just have sort of been sitting off to the side while all this other off-season hype goes on, and I think very much licking their chops at some of these big matchups they get throughout their 2023 schedule. Yeah. For sure. No, I I totally agree. I can see the Flyers either living or dying by Joe White this weekend. I think what's most interesting to me is just like how much of a green light he's given and then how much he plays on offense, too. Because honestly, like that Alan LaViolette shooter role that they had LaViolette in in 2021, like that was a huge part of their offense. And he only completed like 90 ish percent of his throws. So like there is kind of a role there in the Flyers offense for someone to be a little bit more aggressive but I just, yeah, I just don't know if they're going to like fully commit commit to unleashing Joe White or if they might have to because Eric Taylor is out this game and some other key absences so it'll be worth following for sure it should also be noted that they might open up their lines even more like you were saying we might see Joe White right. we might see half of this offense take turns on rotational d-line deployment uh throughout this game and kind of both teams figuring out where the matchups are. It's going to be interesting to see where Rowan matches up on defense for the Breeze. You know, if he's going to take a Joe White, if we get a White versus Rowan. Yeah. That. Oh, that'd be fun. There's there's a lot of good individual matchup potential heading into this opening weekend. And maybe we can get into it with the second uh, matchup that we want to talk about. Actually, the first game of the whole season tomorrow season night. Opener. Premier Seattle at Salt Lake on watch.audl.tv. It starts at 10 p.m. Eastern live. I- I'm going to be just hyped wearing like uh, uh, one of those kind of like beer koozie helmets, but no beer, no beer, <laughs> but like a uh, uh, diet Dr. Pepper just flowing in. I'm going I'm to be there getting the tone for that one because uh, the Shred had some of the best home games last year's uh, season debut in Salt Lake was just bananas like a highlight factory it started with the garrett martin uh huge layout have christened the whole experience of the shred and then it just kind of continued for four quarters garrett martin (laughs) is no longer on the shred he's now on seattle switch sides joins uh khalif al salam and kind of a return to the cascades a little bit of bolstering to the roster but cascades again entering with a good deal of questions about where they're going to stack up in the standings on the other side you have the salt lake team coming off of a West Division championship appearance in their first season. They lose Joe Merrill, who is such like a heart and playmaker for the Shred organization. But then they Mm -hmm. add in Grant Lindsley, Elijah Jaime, and some other great offseason additions. And it feels like this Shred team, for how they want to play this game, for me, what they need to do is just speed test Seattle. You know, I I think that Seattle has some good top-end talent. I expect Seattle in one-on-one matchups with like Khalif and Garrett, et cetera, to maybe win here and there. But Mm -hmm. the, the problem that this shred offense can present to Seattle when they roll out Jordan Kerr, Elijah Jaime, Grant Lindsley, and then the return of teen phenom, Will Selfridge, that tall order. Ah, the speed to deal with. And I don't know if the cascades, have the personnel to contain that and I worry a little bit that we might see a repeat of what happened last year in this meeting where the shred put up 32 at home right 
Yeah, man, it's it's tough because I think Seattle, like when Seattle is at their best, they like they're playing a very fast, you know, fast mm-hmm. break style, both off of turnovers, but also the offense, too. And I feel like them and the shred have such similar play styles. I just think generally Salt Lake does it a lot better, a lot more consistently than Seattle does. So I do think Seattle, if they are going to keep themselves in this game, they just gonna they're gonna have to kind of match and take advantage of any any like additional early game mistakes that Salt Lake has. Like they do have some new pieces to work into their offense, so maybe Salt Lake has like a bit of a a curve throughout the game and just like hitting their full potential. So if Seattle can like load up a D line and just have you know Garrett Martin and Khalif just launching the disc to each other off turnovers, I think that's gonna be great. But really overall, they just need to like. They need to like be consistent. They need to be in rhythm. And it's a lot easier said than done against a shred team that also just creates a lot of defensive pressure too. Although they did have a good amount of defensive losses this offseason. So it kind of remains to be seen if they're going to have the same takeaway potential. But I don't know. It feels like kind of a team-wide energy, at least it did last year, that the shred had defensively. So it's, it's a tough ask for Seattle. Obviously, last year's shred home opener did not go Seattle's way, but we'll see what happens this year. Still excited. I, I think these are two fun teams to watch. I think to your point, Seattle needs to start fast. And we'll kind of talk about another team later in this set of previews who maybe wants to do a little bit different approach. But I think what really did the Cascades in last year was that that Salt Lake crowd got into it from the start. And they just got to yeah. party for four quarters. And I feel like... <laughs> cascades need to kind of get like a two to three goal lead early and just try to suppress some of that that firework factory energy that gets going when these shred just start laying out at the disc like you say they they lose joel clutton they lose dusty green they lose uh some really talented d-line starters from last year and yet they still return chad jorgensen who made the all defense squad last year uh, Porter Euler, who is a big boy in coverage, and just to your point, like a mob squad of other dudes who are just primed athletes ready to make yeah. themselves known on this stage. Uh, ben Ashton, a number of times last year, made terrific plays in the game on the disc, excuse me, particularly in the Portland Nitro game, uh, the week yeah. 11 game of the week. Uh, Kyle Which Weinberg led the team in takeaways last year. We don't talk about him nearly enough I think I think he's a very good defender very talented in one-on-one space yeah I I think that the shreds still have a lot to offer and I think that if Seattle doesn't come with that energy immediately it's going to be a little bit of a t-ball scenario like like it was last year in this exact same meeting right it's so tough because they get such a nice home crowd too and like an energized stadium and like those are guys that they get the shred and they but it's like the the way they play too, just like it, it's a like a constant uh, feedback loop. There's a the combo meter of there's, like there's, energy. Yeah, there's a combo meter, and they kind of like hit little right, 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 like special moves at times. It feels like, and all exactly. of a sudden the fast breaks turn into like four in a row, and it's just you're <laughs> right. boosting it to like a Hoffman brother or one of his own siblings because now there's three Jorgesons on this roster. Three Jorgesons this year. That is worth They're mentioning. I don't know. The Norbombs. They're almost going to surpass the Nor. I, the Norbombs are, they... are two. Right. Are all the Jorgesons active for tomorrow? I got to look right now. Yet. 
I think that would almost make it. I think DC might have had three Bergerons active for a game one time. Otherwise, I think it would tie <laughs> most siblings active on a single roster. But I, I would need uh, these active. Oh, Chad is actually the one that is out. McKay and Luke oh, are playing. No, I've heard good. So, things. hey, no Chad Jorgensen. That kind of changes things. I was just going to say I was looking forward to the Chad versus Khalif matchup. Just. Beast versus beast. Yeah, those are athletes. I wanted to see those two dogs go out and run for it in space. Like, Jorgensen had some of the most sensational blocks from last year, and everyone knows the plays Khalif is capable of making. Yeah. Well, it'll have to wait till their next meeting, unfortunately. Well, we're going to shift back to Saturday night game, talking about one of the interdivisional matchups from this weekend. Indianapolis at Atlanta, actually a rematch of a final weekend of the regular season game from last year that Atlanta persevered at home at, I I forget the final score, it was like 25 to 23, something like that. Yeah, it was a two goal game, I know. Big fast Mm -hmm. break game, lots of hucking and running out into space, both teams kind of finding a rhythm and just sort of running with it. Atlanta could not throw their zone against that consistent swing heavy indie offensive attack so they had to resort to a lot of man on man which as it usually does leads to a lot of goals for indianapolis's cameron brock i expected lana to have a little bit different of approach this year they're also going to have some increased defensive pressure from courtesy of uh, jakeem polk who will be returning from injury and making his 2023 debut after missing all last season we might get to see some Jakeem versus Cam matchups, which I think would be pretty good for the viewing audience. Um, But as far as what Atlanta needs to do at home to kind of, I think, hold serve in a game that they're favored in, they got to live by the long ball. I I think that Atlanta showed that the best version of themselves is when they just continue to pressure teams over the top. No team completed Hucks at a higher percentage last year. They were still fourth in volume as a deep throwing team. And when you have Austin Draco Taylor and Bobby lay as your initiating pieces, you just have so much to work with. And I really think that their ability to get into more of a rhythm with Matt Smith and Max Thorne, who only made eight and five starts last year, respectively, this, this Atlanta team, it feels like we, we saw their potential in bit bits and pieces last year. I feel like we're going to see the fully formed version from almost the get-go this year. They've been practicing a lot more as an entire team this year. Last year was plagued a little bit by smaller pod workouts and practices. It seems like there's a lot more team energy this year. Tuba Benson Jaja, the head coach, has this team on a line, according to a lot of reports coming out from their training camps. I I just, I I like the hustle. For as good as I think Indy is going to challenge them in this game, it's just one of those things where I think the hustle can present a fairly simple strategic front and that will lead to success for them. I don't think that they need to do any kind of crazy adjustments or, or game plan in a specific way. I think they kind of need to come yeah. out and attack in the way that the hustle like to attack and, and yeah. that's going over the top. And, you know, the alley cats for as kind of bend, not break sturdy as their defense can be. They have some trouble in limiting opponents, throwing hucks and and you could see that in the game last year where jp burns had uh, an insane game on defense i think he was something like right. six, six on hucks it kind of like launched his all-star candidacy um 
Indy can't let that happen again. And to Atlanta's point, like, make that happen all the time. Like, give multiple throwers <laughs> a green light. Trust your athletes out in space and know that they can go make plays against this Indy defense. Yeah, it's it's going to be tough on Indy because, right, they they just generally don't have the defensive personnel that, like, contrasted to Salt Lake. Like, they don't have this kind of top-to-bottom roster mentality of, like, taking the disc away, throwing their bodies around. They have some guys that will do it and that will challenge their matchups for sure. Nick but Hutton, it's definitely more of a... Huh? Nick Hutton loves to throw his body Nick around. Nick Hutton's a great example. Yeah, I, I think they, I mean, Xavier Payne, we've seen it from too. Yeah, uh, Jake Fellow is a great defender. So, like, they have some guys, obviously, but I think what made them such a great D-line last year was obviously their conversion rate, and it was just taking advantage of every single opportunity that came their way. I forget what their final percentage was, but I know that it was the, it was just behind New York. 66. Uh, New York's offense. We should, we like should check that. 6% conversion rate. Something like that. It's the second is, highest rate ever for any line. For any line, <laughs> yeah. Silly. They were more efficient it is silly. than offense ever, but New York's own record-setting offense. <laughs> right. And I, I think we've both kind of assumed they have to regress to some extent this season, right? Like, there's no way they can keep that up for an entire second season in a row. But the key to this game for them, I think, is just going to be taking advantage of those mistakes because... If Atlanta is just, you know, riding their deep balls like they like to, riding their deep balls, forget I said that. Uh, I just think if Indy is not going to have a ton of opportunities, but the opportunities they do have are probably going to come from miscues of Atlanta firing deep. And if Indy can, you know, make good use of their timeout calls, make sure Xavier Payne is really leading those counterattack drives effectively, that's going to keep them in this game. And I think offensively too, like Indy just needs to be as consistent as possible, I think the the fact that Atlanta likes to throw out different defensive looks and Indy responded so well to them last year, like that bodes well for their chances from an offensive standpoint too. But yeah, if you have to key in on one thing, it's going to be those defensive break conversions because yeah, I just don't see them forcing a lot of turnovers naturally. We've talked a lot about how interdivisional losses can kind of actually be like a 1.5x loss, right? Like they just, they matter a little bit more. You can't afford that kind of loss, especially in a tight divisional playoff race, which Indy mm -hmm. is going to be in the thick of in the central. Yes. However, I think even if they lose this game, this is going to be a terrific primer for the rest of the alley cats schedule working into their central division slate like i think that yeah. them getting this matchup as opposed to pittsburgh and at madison will be playing this weekend um I, I think that it'll actually be more beneficial for the alley cats to get a rep against a team as good as atlanta and, and to kind of get to test themselves at this level right away because yeah I, was, I like it too i was pleasantly surprised by how well they competed at the end of the season last year against atlanta and it felt mm -hmm. very odd that Atlanta was kind of holding a wire-to-wire -wire win against a team that was advancing to a playoffs while the hustle themselves didn't. But it, <laughs> it reminded me that like Indy belongs in these conversations. And I think that while Indy yeah. doesn't maybe have the greatest resume of wins against playoff teams in recent years, they still hang around and they still execute at a level that earns the respect of these teams. Uh, you know, Coming out of this matchup last year, we talk about Atlanta not being able to throw their zone against them. And also, 
Jake Specks fella, his defense against Draco was noted throughout the scouting report after that game. I mean, hustle players, mm-hmm. including Draco himself, were like, that's the best I've been guarded all season. So there are yeah. aspects that this indie team can do to complicate Atlanta. I just think that there's way too many options for Atlanta to work through. Like they're just, they're one of those right. teams that I think because, you know, we, we just did our, our player rankings, uh, top 25 players in the AEDL. One Atlanta player made the top 25 overall players, but I feel like just, just beyond that kind of top 25 threshold. There's right. So the next 10 spots or something coming up into that range. Right. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. And right. I think if, if, Specs is able to limit Austin Taylor, like you said. I, I think Atlanta has enough other options where they're not going to like, they're never going to totally abandon their deep game. I've also heard rumors, Matt Smith on the Hustle Instagram story the other day, he was talking about how, how they might have some new bigs coming over to the O line. And it wasn't just a, a Freystetter reference, who, by the way, will not be active this first week, but I think there's some potential for, the, for Atlanta to play with like, Holzmeyer and Dean Ramsey as deep receiving threats. Longtime yeah. team veteran Trenton Spinks. That dude is gigantic. Yeah. Sometimes like using him a little bit in throwing ghost sets. So I would love to see something like that. And look, I'm always of the opinion that you could put Jakeem Polk for a couple of offensive reps and just let him go get. Yeah. It's like, it's nothing wrong see. with that. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, yeah. Let's move on to the East division. Philadelphia Phoenix at New York Empire on Saturday night. Defending champions having their home opener to start the season against a Philly team that is very much set on trying to make themselves a part of the contending pack at the top of the East Division. This is a perfect uh, opportunity for a statement game for the Phoenix. And they played really well in their matchup at New York last season, early in the season as well. It was a rainy, cold game tight margins and Philadelphia kind of flourished in that sort of environment. It slowed down the New York offensive attack just enough, I think to give Philly Mm -hmm. an additional edge that they needed, obviously. And ultimately the empire prevailed in the end. And then, then their most recent matchup from last season, New York just kind of went wire to wire with the win. Uh, Paul Owens played terrific defense on Jack Williams in that game. That was kind of the only good defense that was being played against the Empire. <laughs> Ryan Osgar yeah. basically had his best performance of his MVP season, went 33 at 33 on throws at what, eight assists, almost four. Ten. He had ten, ten assists. Ten assists, Two goals. Like 500 throwing yards. John Lithium yeah. and Babbitt were going off. They they threw their it was close around halftime, I remember. And the first set out of halftime was like an eleven second drive where they just got the first initiating pass to Osgar in an under and he just uncorked a perfect flick to the back corner to Ben Yacht and that was kind of like oh right right because yeah they switched Yacht over just for like, like a random O point and man that- I I just it's such a tall order to contain really any one player on the New York offense but yeah it just goes to show like and Jack Williams was the star of that first game they played last year because mm-hmm. well, of course of course he's he the like one that shines blocks. in like these yeah, had three blocks. I think he had six total scores. He he shines in these terrible condition games because he's just the best player out there and, and he can show it. But uh, Paul Owens was inactive for that first game. So then Owens comes in, active for the second game, does a really good job against Jack Williams, but then it's just the Ryan Osgar show. And, like, good for New York, like, having that flexibility. And we saw it into the playoffs, too. 
you know, all of a sudden teams are starting to back Osgar and, or sorry, front Osgar and force him into the deep space as more of a cutter. And then Jack Williams just takes over in the underneath space and as a handler. So yeah, the, the flexibility that New York has, particularly in those two guys, Jack Williams and Ryan Osgar, that's going to be the key for Philly. Like if they can figure out what other teams did down the stretch, teams like DC, Carolina, Chicago in the championship and and really limit the throwing ability of Ryan Osgar. And then you have Paul Owens somehow shutting down the Jack Williams matchup, which I'm still not so sure he could do like in a vacuum, but I, I you know, it's just those two guys. If you can really gum up what they're trying to do, then the offense I think could have issues, the New York offense, but I just don't know if Philly has the defensive personnel to accomplish that. I I hear what you're saying. I actually worry about the other players in Philly's kind of rotation. Like I think that they struggled a little bit more with the bigs. Lithium and Babbitt lit them. Yeah, up. I mean they're they're bullies, and, but someone has to get them the discs is the thing. And typically well, that was either Bailey. Jack or like, Oscar. This is one of those matchups too where sure they might have the first and second solutions available. Maybe Philly does figure out something to quiet Oscar a little bit, but then you still have Chartok, who had a very good game. Uh Elliot Chartok, excuse me. There's two Chartoks now and yeah, yeah. at siblings. <laughs> uh Elliot Chartok was also terrific in both matchups against Philly last year. And Solomon Grishmar sure. Bailey is right now the most efficient passer this league has ever seen. He simply does not turn the disc over. I think he's got what? Something like uh, seven turns in almost a thousand career touches. Uh, something like that. It's one of those things where I, I feel like New York in this particular matchup, they're comfortable saying, hey, you took Jack off the table. That's fine, man. We're still going to put up 25, right? And and to that point, I, I worry a little bit about Philly getting over-reliant on Hux in this game, trying to really punch with New sure. York. Um, I think that New York's defense could give them a lot of fits early in the season, especially if there's a little bit of weather. Uh, and for New York, I think, again, it just kind of comes down to, like, show of force. Just be who you are. You know, kind yeah. of... Continue with the same mojo that you finished last season with, which is sort of these teams can't stay on the field with us. You know, they they can't go three lines deep as we can. Uh, and I think that similar to kind of Atlanta's presentation with Indy, you don't need to really overcomplicate this, right? Like simple approach right. in this situation. You're going to be at home. You're going to have the energy behind you. The, presumably there's going to be some kind of banner or championship presentation <laughs> own that you know like Naturally, the empire yeah. i i think that this might be the year too where like the individuals on this team are so likable i i feel like a couple of years ago you could kind of you know say like ah oh, the empire like ben yacht he's so big he just kind of slams around and gets scores and stuff but now like Ben Yacht has done so much to become, I think, a more likable person and a more outstanding teammate. And like Jack They're Williams still the bad up. guys. They're still but the villains. But of they're the league. not. That's what I'm saying. They're like, the I, evil empire. But that's what I'm saying. I think this year they will have to adopt more of that mindset. Like I do think that them kind of being the aw shucks, like we win every game, but you still like us. Like I think that that's wearing thin a little bit. I think that they've got to kind of make a little bit of a heel turn, kind of own into hey we're just gonna run out every opponent by eight goals every game right you know I, yeah I, I, think... I mean 
they have it in them, right? Yeah. Like it, it's fully possible that they can do that. I would say the one other thing for New York that I was just thinking about, Philly obviously just like has their offense down to like exactly what they want to do in every game. And that is puck the disc early, often as much as possible. I think what DC did a great job of in the East Division playoffs last year was not getting like so sucked into that type of game. Like yeah, DC was still play. so good at just methodically like playing their game, working it up. And so I think if New York can do the same thing, just like not get sucked into the style that Philly wants to turn the game into, then I think they'll be fine. Yeah, it's sort of the Madison Radicals historical approach to games, which is simply like limiting the total number of possessions in a complete game to like 35, like right. 35 total scores, making it a game. So it's like, you know, 18 to 17 or something. These smaller margins against better teams typically work yeah. out better for underdogs. And I totally agree with you. When you go up tempo against a New York team, it's math it's then. They're going to score more than you. They do that. <laughs> right, right. That's what our stats tables tell us. So you got to take some of that raw scoring total, I think, off the table. And that's what I mean. If if Philly gets pressured and they start wanting to, to push the Huck game more, I – you can't do that against New York. They're the best. But they're going to do it. They're doing it. That's who they are. That's who Philly is. No one's yeah. going to change that. And at the same time, you know, I, I would love to see Philly beat New York and complete 15 hucks in the process and just sure. rain it over the top. Like, that would be terrific. Right. I will say, hey, Jordan Ryan, he did not play against New York I, last I year to miss that. both games. He will be active. So that was, what, the best Tucker in the league last year from, like, a completions per game? If you, were, if you were to come up with like a, a hucking passing stat between like volume and completion rating, yeah, 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 because yeah. he was second overall in uh total huck completions, trailing only Jonathan Nethercut, and then he was completing it at like a, a 75% clip or something. 70, yeah, 76.7 was his yeah. completion I would, rate. I would put, I would put him and like Draco right, right around the same. Obviously, Ryan Osgar is up there too. He missed one huck attempt all of last year so uh, right a lot a lot of good deep throwers in this game but to your point ryan missed both of the empire matchups last year he's gonna make a huge difference for them on offense i mean other than nethercut there's no one better in the league right now at those standstill hucks than jordan ryan like yep. he just they're dangerous they, they call them the natural i think for a little bit like he just has that like you watch him throw and that's the way that you throw right um, yeah it's so anyway. smooth that game's on Saturday night. We've got one more game we want to preview. We're not going to get to every matchup in the week one slate, but we wanted to get to the Houston, uh, excuse me, the expansion. Houston Havoc's first ever game at home on Saturday night, hosting the Austin Soul. Great interstate rivalry to get that organization going. Havoc have been very, very active all offseason long. I think they started practicing before any other team this offseason. They've just kind of had whole buy-in from day one, which is exactly what you want going into your very first game as a franchise. And for them to win, kitchen sink time, baby. You're just throwing everything, I think, if you're Houston. You're, you're doing roller pulls from the get-go. You're doing trap setups. You're, 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 you're fudging the map every single time that Austin has a possession, right? You're never letting them get settled. And I think that you're just trying to find big plays that can ignite your energy Get that home crowd into it. It looks like Houston has a terrific venue. I expect them to have a loud crowd on hand, too. Texas always does it big. 
And I've talked about it a few times before, I think they need to have that that kind of radicals mindset. This team reminds mm-hmm. me a little bit of how the radicals came into the 2013 season, which was a little underhyped, little question marks about this mix of both older veterans that would kind of age out past their primes and a whole bunch of young people who hadn't really asserted themselves on the scene yet. I, I see a little bit of that in the Havoc team makeup. And I think that similarly, they need to apply pressure on defense. Now, the the 2023 Austin Soul offense is warp <laughs> eons beyond what the Windy City Wildfire were playing in 2013. Granted, that 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 Chicago team had Brody Smith, Goose Halton, and some great players on it. Fundamentally different kind of sport being played, I feel it's like. It's a different world. Like, there was something like 10 more turnovers a game for each team or something. It was just yeah. like mud ball back then. So I think that Houston has a much larger challenge ahead of them on Saturday night, but I think they need to apply the same basic precepts, which is just disrupt, 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 continue to throw lines of fresh legs at them, try to tire them out, and just, again, like, throw everything. Just We, we, we talked about a little bit with Bex Forrest when we interviewed her a few weeks ago about how they've just been developing kind of situational awareness for any conceivable scenario. And mm-hmm. I think that they really need to put that into practice. The, the, the problem is that they're facing a very good and talented team and also one of the best coach teams. You know, Austin does have the reigning <laughs> right. coach of the year in Steven Nagy. This is a team that kind of bootstrapped itself into some, some success in 2021 about out strategizing their opponents, running some great half-field sets. So this this is going to be a big challenge to knock this soul team off of their rhythm, but Houston's just got to try. They they've they've got to because they, I'm sorry, they can't play this Austin team straight up like in game. Right. It's just it's too good of an opponent. Yeah, no, I agree, and that's kind of like Austin's key to winning this game is just to like play their game. Like, don't get roped into whatever nonsense Houston's throwing at you. Like, don't get frazzled by the home crowd you know in a tough road environment i just think austin overall just has more talented players more talented players that have more adl experience they are trending upward as a franchise they just they can get away with not having to do too much to like really silence houston or like they don't have to make this game a blowout they just have to stick to their guns play their game you know use hanky mark evans evan swiatek uh, Jake Radak, just like let those guys run the offense. I am curious to see what happens with that offense with no Paul Starkle there. So they kind of have a potential backfield vacancy. But assuming they've figured out these kinks in the offseason, I'm not too worried about Austin's chances in this one. I would be very surprised if Houston could pull off the upset. But at the same time, I get what you're saying. And like if they can just kind of throw mayhem at Austin, that does seem like their best chance of winning. And I know earlier, a couple matchups ago, we talked about Seattle and Salt Lake and how Seattle need to get off to a fast start there. I worry about that for Houston. I think that them getting out early will just activate the deeper competitor inside of the soul, right? Like, I mm-hmm. think that the most advantageous spot for the Havoc to be in this game is kind of neck and neck and using some of that home crowd, that momentum, that kind of intangible intangible energy at the end of the game just like surge past right. i just think it's too much of an ask for an expansion team to be expected to hold a lead against a sole offense this talented and might i add 
and, and we need to start talking about this more. For as much accolades as we give to the sole offense, that defense is going to be – Oh, their defense is great. Year. Even without Jake Reinhardt, who was arguably their best defender last year, they have dudes who can run. They add Shaden Worthington and Duncan Fitzgerald, two terrific hustle players to a lineup that already has a ton of those. Like, mm-hmm. I, as hard as it's going to be for the Houston offense to – or, excuse me, the Houston defense to slow down Austin's offense – Austin's defense might get 15 to 20 blocks in this game if they have a careful, <laughs> right. right? Like, yeah, I mean, they, they can really open things man. up, especially with like the way that they can attack after turnovers too, with guys like Joey Wiley and Matt Armour. Like they're just, they're very well equipped to blow out a team like Houston or like Dallas that mm-hmm. can't seem to find the offensive efficiency to keep pace. So, yeah, I think there's there's a definite, like, blowout alert going into this game. But if I'm Austin, I'm not thinking about that. I'm just, I'm playing my game, sticking to my guns, see what happens. It shouldn't be too much uh, to ask for them to win this game. Right. Well, that'll do it for this week one preview episode of Swing Pass. There are a couple other games happening this weekend. Seattle will play a second game following their Friday night matchup on Saturday in Oakland against the Spiders. There will also be another Central Division game. Madison is traveling to Pittsburgh to face the Thunderbirds. We mentioned that briefly. Uh, I believe that does it for week one action. There's only seven games this weekend. Going forward, there's basically 10 plus games every other weekend throughout the regular season going up through the end of July. We will be there with you the entire way. We cannot wait to start watching games tomorrow night. You can tune in live on watch.audale.tv. Thank you so much for tuning in here with us. We will see you again on Sunday night, if not Monday morning, for a recap of all the action that just was. We're hoping for some sets. We're hoping for some big highlights. We're just hoping for that energy that only comes with the AUDL season. We'll see you soon. Bye.